Welcome to Wuffles Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Wuffle. The stakes are huge when the Green Bay Packers host the Minnesota Vikings Sunday at historic Lambeau Field. Major playoff implications will be on the line. Greetings, I'm Gary Wolfel, and thanks for listening to another Packers podcast. Today, I am elated to be joined again by Rob Reichel, the outstanding reporter for Forbes.com, and our special guest, Chris Thomason, the award-winning reporter and my miniature golf partner who covers the Vikings for the St. Paul Pioneer Press. Gentlemen, what an honor to be with you. <laughs> an honor, well, first... you're elated. Boy, oh boy. A lot of glowing words, Gary, but we're, we're elated to be with you, too. Trust me, they'll end soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thank you for the introduction. We're not many golf partners. We're bitter rivals on the course. That's true. You know, it's uh, what, Hogan and uh, who is Hogan's rival? Help me out. <laughs> being, being the uh, golf. Was it golf? Sam Sneed? Yeah. Yeah, you know. yeah, that'd be a good one. Yeah, that's an excellent that, one. Good that, work. Great. So, gentlemen, uh, I heard there's a game Sunday at Lambeau that could uh, be pretty interesting. (laughs) If either of you guys had been told at the beginning of the season that this game would be a make-or-break game for the Packers and not the Vikings, what would have been your reaction? I would have been surprised. I would have thought that – the Vikings would be two games behind the Packers in the division and had to win in Lambeau to stay in the race. I wouldn't say that it would be a reversal of records. I would think the Packers probably would have had a similar record that the Vikings do now, 12-3. and three. I would have thought the Vikings would have been a little bit better in 7-8, so maybe like 12-3 and three Packers, 10-5 and five Vikings, and – Vikings need a win to stay in the NFC North race. That's what I would have thought. Rob? I remember, guys, though, when we did this back in September before the opener, what was it, September 11th, and, and, and Chris, you were on record then as saying you thought Minnesota would win at least 10 games. You thought they were trending upward with the new coach and, and everything like that. And, and we talked on this podcast through the course of the summer and then through training camp how Green Bay's offense would struggle for – at least six to eight weeks, which absolutely turned out to be the case. We just we thought the defense would be dramatically better. I, I, I'm obviously surprised Green Bay is seven and eight. I but I didn't think they'd be a twelve and three football team at this point in in the season either. I kind of thought it'd be the, somewhere in the middle there, maybe a you know a ten and five, a nine and six, and and maybe they'd be tied coming to the last couple of games of the season like this, but. No, I mean, overall, it's a surprise, but it's also a lot of fun that, you know, the, the game actually has some meaning come Sunday because a, a month ago when Green Bay had lost five in a row and seven of eight and, and we were sitting here doing those, we were we were clamoring for Jordan Love and, and looking at the future and, and certainly didn't think the 2022 season had a whole lot left in it for the Green Bay Packers. And, and now all of a sudden, you know, you've, you've in essence, you in essence have a playoff game at Lambeau Field. On, on Sunday here, January 1st, and, and and it should be a ton of fun. Yeah. Chris, how many wins did you think the uh, Vikings were going to have this year? I thought they'd have like 10, maybe 11. 
Yeah, I didn't do an official on the record prediction, but in just talking with people and speculating, I thought they would be in the 10 and 7, 11 and 6 type uh, range and be a wild card team. And a lot of that was based on the fact that the schedule was way easier than last year. And they also have only seven true um, road games this year. I thought that would be the, the case. I mean, they're 11 and 0 in, in one score games, which is absolutely absurd. So if those games had balanced out in a more usual type fashion, they would be in that general record type range. You know, one of those uh, non 11 one score games came against the Packers in the uh, season opener. Uh, the Vikings took it to the Packers 23 to 7. How much do you think that game catapulted the Vikings? You know, gave them a surge of confidence that, hey, we could be pretty good this year. Well, I think it helped, but then they went and laid an egg at Philadelphia in, in week two. I remember and then that. In, yeah. in week three, they almost lost to Detroit. They were down in the fourth quarter by 10, and they then they almost lost to a – depleted New Orleans team in London. So I don't really think it catapulted things. I think that was more of Green Bay just starting slow for the the second straight year. But it was a good start, at least for Kevin O'Connell, because here is this rookie head coach, and it's like, okay, he's never been head coach at any level. It hasn't didn't, didn't call plays with the Rams, and boom, he gets this victory. So it certainly helped to validate him immediately. Rob, any feelings on that game, how it impacted or didn't impact, or was it just another game that was the season opener? Yeah, I mean, it feels like a million years ago, doesn't it, it does. right now? I mean, Green Bay is dramatically different. I'm sure Minnesota's different in – you know, in a lot of ways, you look back on that game, A.J. Dillon was Green Bay's leading receiver that day as they couldn't get their wide receiver group figured out. And and they may have some challenges getting it figured out, too, for Sunday if Watson can't go. You look at that Miami game the other day, Green Bay might have lost its most, you know, its two most explosive players in Keyshawn Nixon and, and Christian Watson uh, with what, what Nixon's brought the return game and, and what Watson has obviously added to the, to the passing game. They're going to be 50, 50 calls, I think through the week, but, but if those guys can't go, that that's going to be a big loss, but you know, Green Bay was a mess offensively back in, in September. They, you know, Rogers skipping the off season is still to me, largely inexcusable with these young rookie and uh, kind of a, a, an entirely new cast of uh, characters at, at wide receiver. He, he didn't, you know, he, he didn't develop a whole lot of, of chemistry or, you know, sync with, with the Watsons and the Dobbs and the Sammy Watkins of the world and people like that. And, and it showed in, in week one. And then on the flip side, the way Joe Barry tried to defend Justin Jefferson, and, and that'll be a fascinating storyline come Sunday too. Do, do they let Jair Alexander follow him this game or not? You know, do they, do they kind of stay with some of the softer zones in the back that, that Jefferson tore up and, and, and ate him alive on, but you know, Jefferson was, what nine catches that day for a buck 80 or something like that. And a couple of touchdowns and, and Chris, you know, this, I, I, I think he's had six or eight games like that this year. And I think, I think he's had two or three more games where he's, you know, exceeded that 180 or whatever it was um, in, in the opener against green Bay. I mean, the, it, 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 it's, it's amazing to me. We, we talk about MVP candidates, Justin Jefferson should be right in that 
right, you know, right, right in the I, middle I of that, you, that conversation. No, no and, and, and I know it's going to go to quarterbacks and it goes to quarterbacks every single year these days for the most part, and unless a running back gets to 2000 yards, but what Justin Jefferson has done this year is, is just remarkable. So what, you know, He's still obviously the the number one concern if if you're Green Bay and you know and, and Dalvin Cooks had some huge games against the Packers through the years too and and we know we've talked about it at length on on this podcast just just how Green Bay's run defense has been borderline abysmal through the course of the season it was better against Miami the other day but um, you know that that combination of Cook Jefferson what Thielen can give you what Osborne can give you and Chris can obviously talk way more at length on on this you know Hawkinson showed up huge the other day. Uh, Green Bay's got its hands full, Gary. And um, I, I'm sure there's nothing more the people of Minnesota and the, and the, and the players and the coaching staff and that whole organization would love to do more is, is to knock Green Bay out of the playoffs come Sunday. Chris, what yeah, do you think of Mr. Uh, Jefferson? Uh, is he going to get the uh, 2,000 yards that he was shooting for at the uh, beginning of the season? It's going to be interesting because uh, – you know, last year, Mike Zimmer, he was in line to potentially break the team record, which he yeah. broke this past weekend for Randy Moss. And Zimmer really didn't look for him late in the game. They had the game in hand against Chicago, and they didn't really throw him the ball. And then Zimmer just shrugged after the game when he was asked about it. Oh, I don't care about records. And, you know, Jefferson was a tiny bit perturbed about that. And then O'Connell comes in as a player's coach, and it, there's been the big difference. I mean, during two press conferences, he's worn Justin Jefferson's gritty marketing gear. You know, he's kind of this player's coach and all that. So it wouldn't be in character for O'Connell maybe not to get him a shot at the record. O'Connell, though, has already said that, you know, he might try to reduce Jefferson's snap counts and Jefferson will fight him on that, which he has. So that's going to be interesting. I mean, if he's kind of far away from it, let's say he doesn't have the greatest of games against Green Bay and it's really kind of semi out of reach. I don't think they would do anything crazy for him to get it. But if he's within reach, you know, knowing O'Connell, the players type coach, knowing how much they respect Jefferson. Obviously they want to get him signed to a long-term contract. Wouldn't be surprised if they uh, take a few shots at him. Maybe not necessarily for the 2000, but at least the 1,964, which is the NFL record held by Calvin Johnson, albeit in a 16 game season. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy how things uh, work out. You know, when they hired O'Connell, it came after the Broncos hired Nathaniel Hackett, and as I understand, Chris, um, O'Connell was one of the three finalists for the Broncos job. What would have happened if the Broncos would have hired O'Connell? You know what I mean? They they would have moved on from uh, Hackett at that point. Uh, well, it sounds like you read the Pioneer Press for my interview with John Elway. Re- religiously. <laughs> yes. <laughs> First thing I do when I wake up in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I heard you're a loyal subscriber and we thank you. Yeah, just just, I think it's cost just me for that, like just for that, I'm going to make you my months, mini so. golf. Just for that, I'll make you my mini golf partner. <laughs> yeah, has, has O'Connell ever talked about that? You know that uh, hey, you know he could have possibly ended up in Denver. Yeah, my Pioneer Press story. I know. 
I didn't read it all. <laughs> well, then get to the bottom. It's all in there. <laughs> there you go. But no, I mean, it, it, it's absolutely crazy how these things happen. And uh, O'Connell, believe it or not, reminds me a little bit of LaFleur. You know, he seems like a player's coach and he's all in with players and everything's up, up about the players. Do you agree? Yeah, he's a, he's from the LaFleur tree. There's absolutely no doubt about it. He's young. He's enthusiastic. He fully understands that, unlike Zimmer, I mean, this is a modern era of players and you got to be close to the players and, and, and that sort of thing. You can't keep an arm's length and that sort of thing. I mean, that was a big deal with Zimmer. I mean, once he was fired, some of the players came out and Eric Kendrick said, you can't have a fear-based organization. Brian O'Neill said, well, I hope our next coach is at least someone who says hi to you in the hallway. And that, that uh, was great. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. And Kevin O'Connell definitely says hi to everybody in the hallway, whether you're a so player. Is that you? Uh, yeah. If we walk wow. by, sure. Sure. <laughs> Might even get a pat on the back. <laughs> Rob, any thoughts on that? Well, no, it, that is very similar. There? That is very similar to Matt LaFleur. And, you know, the, the one thing, the players in green Bay have always loved is Matt LaFleur has never criticized to say, you know, he's been there now almost four years. He, he's never gone to that podium at any point in time and, and criticized another player. You know, Rogers could be 11 for 31 and throw four picks and he, and he's not going to say a bad word about him. Aaron Jones could put the ball on the ground three times and, and he's not going to, you know, put it on Aaron Jones. He, he, we all, we all know where, Blame eventually lies, but but Lafleur is never going to sell a guy out like that. He's going to always spin it back on himself and say he needed to coach better, he needed to call better plays, he needed to put guys in better position. Blah 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 blah. Right, all that all that coach speak stuff. But he's never going to sell out a player, and, and and you see various coaches do that from time to time, and it makes a sexier headline, no question about it. When it when a coach goes ahead and and, and does that, but but Lafleur is really liked inside that locker room. He is a players guy. Much like O'Connell, as Chris pointed out, I I would say he's extremely friendly to to everybody you know in inside the building. He's he's kind of that new generation coach. He's he's a younger guy. Um, things had gotten certainly stale under under Mike McCarthy those those last two or three years. And um, you know I whatever I you know Lafleur was obviously a breath of fresh air for the organization at the time. I find it funny. Here, here's a good stat. Chris pointed this out. A minute ago, what is it, Chris? They're they're unbeaten, right? In one score games, Minnesota. Yeah, they're eleven and zero in one yeah. score games. They've set two NFL records in that regard. When they got to uh, nine, they broke the record of most uh, one score game victories to start a season without a loss. So they've extended that to eleven, and then total number of one score victories, 11. That's an NFL record, too, that they just set breaking at uh, a 10. Two teams had 10, but those teams also had some one-score losses, 2019 Seattle and 1979 uh, Houston Oilers. And if you go back, guys, and look at Matt LaFleur's first year, he was 10-1 and one in one-score games. Um, yeah, so the, par- the parallels there are really striking. I mean, yeah. that was that- – 2019 green Bay was not a dominant team whatsoever. They were much better in 2020 
because I think their plus minus in 2019 was like 63 points, you know, which is only four points a game over a 16 game season. You know, they, they were, they were you know, getting by by the skin of their teeth in most of these games. Um, and they'd always find a way to win those one score games. And Minnesota has some of that magic going on right now. So I, that is a, that, that to me is a real interesting parallel between the two head coaches. Yeah, and if I could just interject, last year the Vikings set a record for most or tied a record for most one-score games played in a season with 13, and they went 5-8. and eight. So <laughs> yeah, you, you just you see the difference the, there. You, you talk about the Vikings uh, living on the edge. Uh, yesterday I was looking at uh, some of their point totals for the last five games, okay? They are averaging 29.8 points in the last five games, right? They are giving up twenty seven point eight. <laughs> well, I mean, well, just until a game or two ago, with their gaudy record, they were being outscored overall for the season. I mean, their losses have been twenty four to seven, forty to three, and thirty four to thirteen. Hmm. Thirty four to twenty three. Excuse me. Did he try it? And he didn't even look at his notes. Amazing. You, you are an amazing guy. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> you know the, the the game I think I brought this up with Rob last week we were looking ahead to the Vikings game and I said this is going to be the Christian Watts, Watson revenge game and uh, after that drop I, I'm sure to this day it still gnaws at him I, I fully expect Watson to have a big game and I fully expect at some point in the game Sunday he's going to be matched up one and one with Patrick Peterson, and they're going long. <laughs> well, Gary's got to get on the field, right? That's I mean, true. That's true. First see how the week there. plays itself out. I mean, that, that's been the number one knock on this kid is he can't, you know, as explosive as he is, he, he, he is frail, and he, and he has not been able to stay healthy through the course of the, this rookie season, even date, dating back, you know, to, to mini camps and, and training camp when he missed so much time back there. And it's one of the big reasons it took him eight, nine weeks to, to really get rolling here. So when, when he's not on the field, that offense becomes largely pedestrian. He's the one guy who can take the top off a of defense. You, you look at the rest of those guys and they're all underneath possession receivers, right? Lazard and, and Romeo dubs. Tunyon has become nothing more than a possession receiver at this point. He can't stretch a defense like he did two years ago when he had the 11 touchdowns before he blew out his knee. Randall Cobbs, obviously on, you know, hole 17 or 18 here of his career. So there, they, you know, they're, they're, there's not a whole lot uh, in, in terms of speed merchants uh, uh, among that group when you, when you take Watson off the field. So he, he's really a guy that, you know, if green Bay is going to win this game on Sunday, they, they really do need him on the field. And then even, even Gary, you look at the running back situation, Aaron Jones is so beat up. He only had six carries the other day. They're trying to preserve him and keep him as healthy as possible. He's the one guy in the run game that can take it to the house. Dylan cannot. I mean, Dylan can hammer at you all game, obviously, but, but Jones is the one who goes 75 yards in the blink of an eye. And, and if he's still this beat up, I just, you know, green Bay is going to really struggle getting the explosive plays that I think they're going to need in this game, Gary, to keep up with Minnesota. Yeah. You look Can at you the, educate us a little bit, Rob, just the exact nature of Christian Watson's injury and uh, what it might come down to as to whether he plays or not. Well, yeah, I, I you know, they, they, they've been largely vague on it, Chris. And, and, you know, we're looking at like 35, 40 degrees. It, it, it's it's going to be a nice day. It, it's a hip to the extent of it. I, I really don't know and, and, and can't tell the, 
the listeners, because that's all they define it as right now as a hip. He, he, re- he missed the whole second half of that Miami game, Chris. He wasn't doing a great deal prior to that, but they were obviously trying to keep him involved as much as possible. He's the one guy who can take it to the house anytime, anytime he touches it. But even, you know, even at 70 or 80%, Chris, you, you, you do wonder if they try to put him out there, if, if he has that same level of explosiveness. And the one thing with Watson that, that keeps coming up, Chris, whether it's, you know, whether it's concussion or these other little nicks that he's gotten, he had a, he had a knee scope done in, in late June and, and then missed the start of training camp. Um, you know, he has been frail and he has gotten dinged up consistently. And, and this hip is just, just the latest thing. So we'll know certainly more Wednesday, Thursday, as we watch practices unfold, we're doing this podcast on a Tuesday morning. Uh, for those that are listening right now, it's, but Chris, you know, Green, Green Bay's history has always been to be remarkably cautious with their guys and give them that extra week, give them the extra 10 days, give them the extra two weeks if necessary. But, but I don't know if they can play it that way this, this time through, I, you know, they're going to obviously take the players health and safety first, but, but man, the, the, this is a playoff game. And if, if Green Bay can't find a way to beat Minnesota they're they're obviously not getting into the postseason. So it's, it's going to be one we'll keep an eye on closely all week, but yeah, the, the gist of the hip injury itself, Chris, I, I really can't get into great detail because they've been vague and only kind of outlined it as a hip. I, I agree with everything you said, Rob, I, I would be, shocked if he didn't play even if he's a decoy you, you he's got to be accounted for and he is by far the Packers biggest weapon right now and uh, when he steps on the field if they don't account for him they don't know I mean if, if we don't know I would highly doubt if the Vikings know what his injury status is so if, if nothing else he can be a decoy um, you know the Vikings success has been indirectly aided by the Packers. Uh, the Packers, uh, former outside linebackers, Darius Smith is now in Minnesota. Shandon Sullivan. Is Shandon Sullivan, is he a starter? He's or the is... primary nickelback, and yes. he plays uh, probably 80% of the plays. I mean, those two guys have really, really helped the Vikings, right? Yeah, yeah, there's absolutely no doubt about it. I mean, Darius Smith has... 10 sacks, although he's had a bit of a lull. He's only had like two sacks in the last eight games, but he's still pressuring the quarterback. And uh, Shannon Sullivan's been a little bit up up and down. I mean, this defense is ranked 31st in the NFL in total defense. They were 32nd until Detroit's debacle the other day against Carolina. So, um, I mean, Shannon Sullivan has had his moments, but uh, I don't think he's been super highly rated. Yeah. This year, Zadarius Smith, much more of an, an impact. And your D coordinator is Donatello, former Packers uh, D coordinator. Um, do you expect him to be back? You yeah. know, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. I would say that there's certainly a possibility it might not be. I mean, anytime you have a defense that low ranked, I mean, uh, yeah. if it was a big issue – I mean, they've given up so many yards this season, but then they pull out all these uh, wins and that sort of thing. So that kind of masks how poor they've been on defense. And then they finally lost a game 
you know, when they lost 43 to Dallas, I mean, it wasn't just the defense. Yeah. The offense was terrible. Everybody was terrible. And then it was a short week. They played New Orleans, excuse me, New England on Thursday. But uh, a couple weeks ago, after they lost to Detroit, with obvious defensive breakdowns, it was full hammering during the week by the media on the defense. Ed Donatel came out and read like a prepared statement at his press conference, basically, you know, saying he's confident we're going to get it together. So, yeah, and then now they've since bounced back with two insane victories, even though they continue to give up lots of yards. So that's taken a little bit of the target off him. But, yeah, anytime you have a defense that low ranked, I mean, the defensive coordinator certainly could be in jeopardy, but we'll see what happens in the playoffs. I mean, I'll make you a wager. I'll bet there's a minimum of six to eight defense coordinators canned after the season. And and Rob and I have a uh, friendly (laughs) wager that the Packers will or will not fire their defense coordinator. From from your uh, outside perspective, would you keep Joe Barry or would you say see you later? Well, I mean that's a better question for for Rob. Well, we've <laughs> talked about this ad nauseum. <laughs> In so, fact, so, the winner so, gets a uh, golf outing on a real course, Chris. So so Chris, I I have Joe Barry being released and fired when the year is done, and Gary thinks he's sticking around. With your Packer expertise, Rob, and the bitter rivalry that I have with Mr. <laughs> Wolfel on the mini golf course, I'll side with you, Rob. Oh, what a guy. Always always someone I can count on, you know? <laughs> I, I will say this, Gary. He, you know, he, he certainly helped his cause by shutting out Miami in the second half the other day and what was obviously a must win. They, they, they still rank 17th in total defense, 17th in scoring defense with a unit I think that everybody thought at the start of the year was going to be top five in most defensive statistical categories. They haven't sacked the quarterback nearly enough. They haven't been good enough on third downs, but you know, they've, they kept the bears to 19 three weeks ago. They kept the Rams to 12 and they kept Miami to 20. So what is that? 32, 51, 17, a game over the last three games. So that that's a pretty low number. Honestly, these last two games will probably decide his fate. And and no, maybe no a play, maybe a potential playoff game too. If if Minnesota comes in on Sunday and lights them up for thirty four and wins thirty four thirty or something in a shootout, I, I don't know how you can bring them back. If 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 they keep playing defense like they did the second half against Miami and hold them to you know a hundred total yards and shut them out and you know keep forcing turnovers like they had the three picks in the final fourteen minutes uh, the other day against the Dolphins, then then maybe the guy gets uh, you know. Get, get, gets another year here, but he he's, he's clearly on life support. Let's, let's say that he's, well, we'll yeah, I, I think the final it. two weeks might uh, determine his fate as well. I, I look at the offense corner and again, we're going over stuff we talked about a few weeks ago, but uh, Sinovich has done nothing to impress me, but then again, the offense is run by LaFleur and Rogers. So, I mean, you know, he can be the offensive coordinator in title, but what do you really do? How much impact do you really have? Would you bring back Nathaniel Hackett? No, not at no, all. I, I'm not a big fan of, you know, going, going back and, you know, cause now you've got to reorganize some roles and things like that. And I think they want Stenovich to grow into this role as, is offensive coordinator. And, and they've made some other moves, obviously promoting, you know, the number two offensive line coach to number one, when they bump Stenovich up and things like that, I'm, I'm not a big advocate of, you know, kind of going back when, when things don't work 
for somebody uh, in a, in a certain place and, and trying to land him a job, he'll land on his feet somewhere. I just, I, my personal feeling is it probably won't be green Bay Gary. Yeah. You know, I mean, coaches in the NFL are constantly making adjustments and two things I've noticed, the Packers have basically scrapped their two back offense that they were hell bent on using early in the season with, with Jones and, and Dylan, you don't see him on the field as much as you did and then defensively, Rob, I, I think you and I may have talked about this off, you know, off the air, but they've they have been going with two down linemen. It's kind of a funky arrangement instead of having three down linemen, and then they have two stand up ends, and then they got a hodgepodge of guys, you know, all over the field behind them. I, I, I thought that was an interesting move, and it's you know, I'm <laughs> I'm not in favor of in favor of it, but it definitely has worked the last two weeks. Well, it worked the second half against Miami, right? And true, and, and, true. And, and, it, and it certainly did work in, in the Rams game. I, I don't know, Gary, I think they're going to need more big bodies up front to slow down Cook come Sunday, and, and you'll see that. Dean Lowry only played seven snaps in that Miami game. Is now, that what was, it was, seven? Yeah, he was dinged up himself a little bit. Uh, but Devontae Wyatt, the first-round rookie, stepped in and replaced him and actually played reasonably well. Uh, but I think they're going to need more big bodies right out of the chute to, to, to slow down cook because Chris can answer this better than me, but it, it just seems to me when Minnesota's had success against green Bay, it, it's because things start and, and end with Dalvin cook. And it opens a lot of things up then in the, in the passing game for cousins and Jefferson and Thielen and Osborne and, 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 the, and that terrific group of pass catchers that they have and, and green Bay, we know, I, I think they rank 30 or 31st still against the run Gary they're on pace to allow five yards of carry. Uh, I mean, if I'm Minnesota, I'm, I'm going at them early in the, in the, in the run game and establishing some things there. So no, it, it, it'll be interesting what, what Joe Barry, you know, tries to come up with to, to slow this, this group down because they, not many people have slowed Minnesota down through the course of the year. And then Hawkinson comes up with a game like he did last week. And, and he adds that, that element there. And, and, and Chris, I don't know how people in Minnesota felt about him up till last week when he had that explosive game, but, but I, I thought since he came over from Detroit, he had been relatively quiet. And then, you know, all, all of a sudden he looked like Kellen Winslow senior last week in, in, in that game against the giants and, and man, I, I don't, Gary, I, I just, I don't know how Green Bay covers all those guys up, especially if, if Cook starts things off in the running game, you know, with 40 yards or something in the first quarter. And, and now it opens up all the space, uh, you know, behind him for, for Hawkinson and, and, and Thielen and Jefferson and Osborne and all those guys. But yeah, Joe Barry's got his hands full and he, and he's probably coaching for his life, Gary, or at least his Green Bay life right now. So it, it'll kind of be fascinating to see what he comes up with on, on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, no, uh, Vikings fans and everybody loved the move when it was initially made. And then he burst right out of the gates, basically five days after he was acquired in a trade with a big game against Washington. Yeah. Hawkinson had some lulls, uh, after that, they weren't always going to him a lot, but I don't know if there was a lot of, quote, grumbling. I mean, I think everybody was knew that he was there and available. And then the Giants game, it became evident early on that the game plan was to go to Hawkinson. I mean, they saw something with the Giant defense that, hey, we can go to Hawkinson. I mean, obviously they knew that the Giants are going to be focusing on Justin Jefferson, some Sometimes they, that opens things up for Adam Thielen, but it opened things up for Hawkinson on 
Sunday. So, or excuse me, Saturday, that game was. So, yeah, he's a tremendous weapon. There's no doubt. And your point on Dalvin Cook, Coach O'Connell mentioned yesterday that uh, he probably should have ran him more against the Giants. And, yeah, he's had some big games against Green Bay. I would expect a big load for Cook and then him utilized also in the passing game. A couple of years ago, he had the longest reception of his career against uh, the Packers. That was the 2020 stunning victory there at Lambeau with no fans. And then, of course, he had the screen pass that tied the um, amazing comeback win against the Colts. So, yeah, I would uh, expect um, – I mean, they're studying right now the holes in the Green Bay defense, and there's a lot uh, of weapons. So, uh, But we've certainly highlighted most of them. And there's you know, a lot of holes too, Chris. So <laughs> There's a lot of what? And there's a lot of holes in Green Bay's defense too, specifically in the run game. So yeah. they've they've played the pass reasonably well. They're they're a top five pass defense, but people have annihilated them in the run game, and it sets things up in the pass game. And you saw early, you know, before Miami melted down, you saw what Waddle and and Hill did in the in the in the pass game against them with those ex- explosive plays. And and I would argue Minnesota has even more weapons than Miami does. So th- 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 this will be one of Green Bay's greatest challenges of the year. You know, one of the uh, takeaways from that first uh, meeting between the Vikings and Packers for me was how few touches Aaron Rodgers got. I'm trying to remember it was like five or six maybe. I mean, Aaron Jones, uh, not Aaron Rodgers, obviously. Um, But he only had the ball a few times. And, again, I would think that's going to change come Sunday. Again, I think health's the key there, Gary. He had five carries in the opener. Averaged almost 10 a carry. I think he was five for 49. They ran Dylan 10, 10 times, and he was about 45 or something in that game, too. Of the, you know, Green Bay fell behind early, though, and then they, you know, how they get when they're, when yeah, they're down they score or two. Yeah, they, yeah they, they, they abandon the run game and they just start winging it all over the field. And I, I think, even, you know, again, none of us will ever know the exact answer on this until Matt LaFleur writes a book or Mike McCarthy writes his next book or something like that. But, uh, you know, how many plays Aaron is, is changing at the line of scrimmage from runs to passes because he's a, we all know he's a pass happy fella. Aaron Jones's touches have to be more than five in the run game. And I, I think he had two or three receptions in that game too, Gary. I mean, to, to have him only touch the ball seven, eight times in that football game was inexcusable. Now, they, again, they, they've been quiet on Aaron Jones and his, his injury situation. It's clear he's, he's pretty beat up. Um, at this point in time, again, he, he only touched the ball or ran the ball six times last week down in Miami. He's, you know, he's as explosive as anybody you have on that field. And he, and he's clearly your number one weapon if Christian Watson can't play. So you're right, Gary, they've got to find a way to get him the ball, at least, you know, 15 touches minimum, I would say in that football game, if they're going to hang around and try to keep up with Minnesota, uh, in, in, in what I anticipate is going to be a relatively high scoring game. Let yeah, me throw something out too which, as we as we prepare ahead. to this prepare for this potential playoff type struggle. The Vikings kind of in their final two games they face after Chicago after uh, Green Bay they're at Chicago. They want to have it both ways. They want to try to win out and secure the two seed, and they want to rest some players. They've been able to get away with that a little bit 
playing at home the last couple of weeks. It was kind of interesting. Harrison Smith, who always plays every snap, took 10 snaps off. And uh, Eric Hendricks, he also was battling a hip issue, but he always plays every snap. And he took about 10 snaps off. So they've been starting to do that on defense, bringing in some of the uh, young guys and that sort of thing. But on the road at Green Bay, can they fully get away with it? We'll have to see if they try to do that as well. And so far, they really haven't reduced that many snaps for players on offense. So it's going to be interesting to see what they think they might be able to get away with on Sunday in terms of potentially resting some players and San Francisco plays at Las Vegas at the same time, basically. I think they start about 20 minutes earlier. So uh, they'll be keeping an eye on the scoreboard. If for some reason Vegas gets a lead on the 49ers, that might change things a little bit because if Vegas beats the 49ers, then the Vikings could afford a loss to Green Bay and still stay in the number two hole. Well, Chris, one playoff scenario I haven't looked at is if San Francisco and Minnesota end up tied. So say San Francisco wins out and Minnesota goes one and one. Does San Francisco jump them? Do they become the two? Yeah, they've, they're assured of winning the tiebreaker. They win the tiebreaker. Okay. Yeah, it's, our, it's already decided. Okay. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So it's Conference imperative record. for Minnesota to win out to, to get that divisional playoff game in Minnesota then when that's two versus three potentially rather than going out and playing at San Francisco. Right, and we all remember what happened three years ago in San Francisco. They went out there and were just stymied. So they don't want to go to San Francisco. So uh, they'll be keeping an eye on the scoreboard, and it'll be interesting to see the game times aren't set for the final weekend of the season, but if the two-hole is still up in the air, might be interesting. Uh, San Francisco closes at home to get against Arizona. Might be interesting to see if they then put the um, Viking Chicago game as the uh, three in the three o'clock window to play them opposite at the same time as San Francisco. You know, Chris, um, I asked you this question before the uh, regular season opener. What would you advise the Packers to do? in attacking the Vikings offensively, what would you do? Play their game. (laughs) I mean, the Vikings defense has generally struggled in, in a lot of avenues. They're worse, a lot worse against the pass than the run. Dalvin Tomlinson was out for four games with a calf injury. He's back. He's a run stopper. So that helped, that's helped their run game, but uh, you know, they're vulnerable through the air. I mean, we mentioned Sandon Sullivan. I mean, he's been up and down and uh, Patrick Peterson's having a good season. The other cornerback slot, you know, Duke Shelley has actually played well in relief of Cameron Dancer, who's been in and out of the lineup and we'll see who starts this Sunday. But uh, still, I mean, Duke Shelley is not the biggest guy in the world and and can, can get beaten. And Cam Dantzler, if he's there, He's been up and down. And then, like I said, if they're bringing in some younger players also on uh, defense, I mean, Josh Metellus has been playing some snaps at safety. Brian Asamoah has been playing some snaps at inside linebacker. I mean, these guys are on the rise, but they're still not 
Harrison Smith or Eric Kendricks. So if they're bringing in some of these younger guys, then the Packers also need to try to take advantage of that potentially. So do you guys expect uh, this to be Aaron Rodgers' last game in a Packer uniform against the Vikings? No. 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 Okay. We're unanimous. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I think, I mean, things – with the season ending, even if they don't make the playoffs, the season is ending okay. And, uh, you know, Rodgers seems to be comfortable, at least looking from an outsider as I am in Green Bay. And the money situation, I mean, you can't trade him and take that that cap hit. I mean, he's, he, he's not going anywhere. Russell Wilson's not going anywhere. But at least as Average as Aaron Rodgers has looked this season, he sure looked a heck of a lot better than Russell Wilson. <laughs> You'd look better than Russell Wilson these days. I do, yes. Oh, man, he's having a season from hell. I mean, like everybody else in that organization. But you know what? Guess who has been sacked the most in the NFL this season? Russell? Well, it was uh, Justin Fields. and Yeah. Yeah, last time I checked, it was Russell Wilson. But uh, uh, he was second. I checked last week. Unless it's changed, it was number one was Justin Fields. Number two was Russell Wilson. Number three was Daniel Jones. Number four was Kirk Cousins <laughs> entering this past weekend's game. Okay. Um, going back to Rodgers, he, he was the reigning back-to-back MVP. He has looked anything but the MVP this year. I think he's thrown, what is it? 30 no he's thrown 24 touchdown passes last year he threw 37 and the year before that it was 48 uh have you guys seen a a decline in his abilities i would say slight gary um i think part of it too is you know the chemistry that he he lacked for half a season with some of this wide receiver group but i mean his his average yards per pass are 6.8, which is well below his career average, which is in the, in the low eights. I don't think he's at a game. I, I think his season high is like 250 or 251 uh, passing yards. Actually, I take that back. He, he almost had 300 in the, in the game that they lost at Detroit, that 15-9 game here. I think he had 291 that day. But then his second highest is 251. He, he hasn't thrown for nearly the amount of yards. He's normally 68, 69%. He's at about 64% this year. The 11 touchdown, or I'm sorry, the 11 interceptions are, you know, I don't want to say mind blowing or startling or anything like that, but he only had 13 in the first three years under Matt LaFleur. Um, and he's got 11 this year. He's, been, he's certainly been a little more careless with the ball. Than, than he has in the past. He's put it on the ground a handful of times on strip sacks and things like that, which is very un-Aaron Rodgers-esque. I mean, he is 39. He'll, he'll turn 40 next season. He's not a young pup. And back to your initial question, and, and Chris makes the good point of, of the salary cap is going to determine what you do with Aaron Rodgers moving forward. But it, we're, looking at the, we're looking at the 12th straight season that Green Bay in all likelihood is not going to go to a Super Bowl uh, with Aaron Rodgers as, as the quarterback. And um, I know they've won a lot of football games and they've been in the playoffs the overwhelming majority of the time. But but at the end of the day, all that matters over there is, is winning Super Bowls or not. Personally, I don't think the guy's ever going to win another Super Bowl. I, I don't think he's capable of carrying a team 
with 30 guys on the roster that are making borderline minimum salaries, which is how Green Bay's roster will be structured next year when he's making 50 million. He's not 28. He's not 30 anymore where, where he can put a team on his back and, and do that. Uh, they're going to lose six or eight free agents and, and the roster next year will not be as good as it is this year. So my point in all that is at some point in time, they've got to turn the page and, and start over. Uh, I, I'm with you, Chris. I, I do think he's back, but, but if there's a way for them, you know, again, and one of them is trading him after June 1st, if you can arrange a deal with another team and the salary cap hit, then isn't nearly as great. If there is a way to turn this thing over to Jordan Love and just try to start over, uh, if you are Green Bay and, and say, fine, we're going to take some lumps and be six and 11 and seven, t- seven and 10 for a couple of years and, and clear up our salary cap situation. I would go ahead and do that, especially when you hear some of these rumored trades, uh, you know, the, the Tennessees of the world, the Jets, teams like that that have a really nice roster and lack of quarterback would, would be willing to give up multiple high picks for him. At some point in time, I, if I'm Brian Gutekunst, I take those picks. I'm with you, Chris. I don't, I don't think they're going to do it. I think you'll see Aaron Rodgers in a Packer jersey next year because they've been so reluctant to ever turn the page and, and go on to that next chapter. But I, I, I think year in and year out now from here on moving forward with Aaron Rodgers, you're trying to push that boulder up a hill and you're never going to get it all the way up the hill. It's eventually going to come back and crush you. And, and, and that's what you're seeing right now with these Packers, because Gary, to your, to your initial question, I do think he's a player who's declining at this point in time in, in his career. It's not a dramatic decline. It's not a fall off the cliff decline, but I think you'll see a slight decline yearly from here on out. Yeah. But is Jordan love the guy? I mean, obviously when they didn't want Favre anymore, they knew they had Aaron Rodgers in their back pocket going back to, you know, 2008, but is Jordan Love the guy? I mean, also, I think if they pick up his fifth-year option, they got another buffer year. They got a, they can kind of postpone the decision for another year. And well, is Jordan Love really our guy moving forward? Did you, uh, Chris, being the uh, Denver guy that you are, did you see uh, Mark Schleyreth's comments yesterday about Rodgers? Uh, what did he say? He said uh, the Packers have already determined they're they're going to go with Jordan Love next year, and he he's okay. the guy that for you know remember when Rodgers was supposedly going to go to Denver, he's the same guy that brought it up at that time, and uh, I, I'm just curious. I mean, I certainly don't know, but uh, he he seemed pretty confident that uh, that was the case. Yeah, I mean, I that would be a question. Rob has more inside knowledge than I do. So, well, I I don't know what Mark Schlereth's tie to the Packer organization, I guess, would be Gary. And I know a lot of us thought a couple summers ago that that Denver would be Aaron's landing spot, and and that turned out to be inaccurate, obviously. So, um, yeah. you know. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's one of those deals where it's a guy throwing as much at the wall as he can and seeing what sticks. Um, but I, I, again, I, I just, I just don't know what Mark Schler is in or, or tied to Rogers or the organization would be to, to, to have any of that, that particular insight. If, if I had to bet a dollar one way or the other, I think Rogers is a Packer in, in 2023. Yeah. And I agree with you, Rob. Uh, one other thing on Rogers, uh, did you notice he ran the ball seven times in Sunday's game? <laughs> The guy, <laughs> that had to be a season high, number one. And I, I can't remember the last time 39-year-old Aaron Rodgers ran that many times. And I thought it was fantastic. I mean, it, it opens up the Packers' offense. 
but uh, very unusual. I'd be curious to see, you know, if he runs that off and, or anything remotely close to it, you know, against the Vikings. Well, it was a playoff game, right, Gary? In essence, sure. I mean, so so he escapes trouble and he sees 15 yards of green grass. He, he's going to take the nine yards that he can get uh, in, in the ground game at that point in time. Early in the season when he's not running like that, Gary, and risking his body in, in a potential hit, that's a business decision, right? That's a, that's a decision in September when he's turning down those run plays to make sure he's on the field in December to have the ability to make those run plays. So I, Gary, honestly, I think you'll see him on Sunday against Minnesota and the following week against Detroit. If he, if green Bay is still alive, um, you'll see him playing that way at this point in time. He, he, he kind of has to, for, for them to win. He can't turn down those plays. You remember he turned down the, the run against Tampa Bay in the 2020 NFC title game. When I you know, remember when it they well. lost that game 31, 26, <laughs> and they get down to the eight and he's got a, he's got a clear path to the end zone, him versus Sue. And he turned down that run and, and they wind up settling for the field goal and losing that game. I, you know, he, he should have learned a lesson that day about, uh, you know, the, the, the problems that can arise, I guess, when, when you opt not to take what, what the defense is giving you. So yeah, no seven carries. It, 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 I think it is a season high, Gary. It's probably the most he's had in a couple of years. And I, I think he's got to keep playing that way moving forward when those windows open up. Yeah. You know, he, he's been pretty fortunate. He's been kept pretty clean too. Uh, yep. I was just looking at sacks. Uh, he, he's been sacked 29 times and that's not remotely close to the leaders. So, uh, you know, he's had a relatively clean season. So no, no reason for him not to play, obviously, next year, whether it's in Green Bay or any, anywhere else. And as we've talked about before on the podcast, they've had three straight years where they've taken three offensive linemen in the draft. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I would assume they take a couple again here, you know, come, come April. It's, it's just how they want to do business as an organization. They, they hope to hit on half, 60%, two-thirds of those guys, and, and in large part, they have. And, and I don't expect Bakhtiari to be on the roster next year, but they just gave Elton Jenkins a monster deal last week with, with a lot of incentives and tie-ins to go play left tackle where he can really make some killer bonus money at that. They, they've got a you, lot of you young guys. you think they're going to play him at left tackle next year? We'll, I guess we'll see how the season plays yeah. out. I mean, Yash Nijman is a – is an unrestricted free agent too. We'll, we'll see how they really feel about Zach Tom or if they like him more, maybe on the inside. But, but my point is Gary, you know, and, and to your question about Rogers, they've got a lot of talented young guys and, and pieces on that offensive line and guys, they can move around that, that line, you know, even without Bakhtiari, I mean, Bakhtiari's only played in nine of the last 36 games, uh, exactly a quarter. That's, that's mind boggling. And really the line is, is performed, it's, you know, it was a top three or five line in football when Bakhtiari was part of it. It's, you know, it's probably between 10 and 14 or something like that right now without Bakhtiari, but they have enough pieces to become a top 10 offensive line again. And certainly if they invest a high pick uh, in April and another offensive lineman, which they could do if they move on from Bakhtiari here in the off season, you know, there, there, there are plenty of pieces where that, that should be a, you know, a highly functioning offensive line that Rod, you know, Playing with that line, Gary, and 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 these young wide receivers, especially if they take another one in April to go with to go with Watson and Dobbs, um, you know the offense should be humming the next couple of years, whether it's Rogers or Love or or whoever yeah. it turns out to be under center. All right, I know Chris has to run. You you probably got to shovel your sidewalk, right? <laughs> uh, no, I uh, 
stay the HOA and it keeps going up every year. Uh, a lot of money to do it. So uh, I don't even own a snow shovel. Uh, lucky you. Hey, yeah, lucky uh, you've been in uh, the Twin Cities how long now? How many years has it been? This is my 10th season. I started in October of 13, so I missed the start of the 13 campaign. So is this the worst winter you experienced up there? It's the worst December so far. It's been ridiculous. Yeah. But the first winter I was here, 13, 14, fifth, they had 53 days in which it was zero or below. <laughs> I remember uh, going out of town mostly in February, coming back and Oh, it's March. Things are going to get better. No, 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 no. It was like zero degrees all of every day, like March of 14. So, uh, tell you, you got to move worst, to Baltimore. It's been the worst seen. December, though. <laughs> Anyways, hey, I, I know you got to run and I appreciate your time, Chris, but I, I want to throw some quick hits at both of you guys and to, to uh, wrap this up. But uh, JJ Watt announced that he is going to retire. First ballot Hall of Famer. Yes, I think so. In fact, I was just going over his numbers. I mean, five first-team All-Pros, two Defensive Player of the mm -hmm. Year awards, five Pro Bowls. You would think, you know, he'd have more, but uh, really the last five years or so, he's just been regularly been banged up. But five years ago, I think he'd already done enough to uh, be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Rob? Totally agree. I mean, I don't know if you guys watched that Tampa Bay, Arizona game the other night. He, he was still one of the two or three best players on the field. I mean, he, wow. he dominated that football game. Um, and, and I know this shouldn't play and it, it won't play a role probably in how the people vote, but I mean, the, the guy was the epitome of class. I mean, he was maybe better off the field than he was on, which is, which is hard to do when, when you look at his resume and some of the stuff like Chris just outlined there. Yeah, I would, I, it, it it's hard to be a first ballot guy, but I, I would say he's got um, a, a, a substantial chance. I, I, I would think yes, Gary. Yeah. I, I don't think there's been a better defensive end in the NFL in recent years than him. I mean, he, he's been ex exceptional. Uh, right. If you walk you, Gary, that, that's true. <laughs> Tua suffered his uh, third concussion of the season in, in the Packer game on Sunday. You sit him down for the rest of the season. Does he retire? Your thoughts? Yeah, potentially be surprised he plays this year. No, I don't think he retires. I mean, uh, unless a doctor tells him that, uh, you know, hey, you're, you're risking your life out there. I mean, obviously the doctors know a lot more yeah. about this than, than, a, than a lot of people. But, uh, yeah, at this point, I don't think Miami's – going anywhere i mean they might not even make the playoffs but they're certainly not making any kind of deep run they've got a new coach there and mcdaniel who's you know d d done a solid job and started a foundation so it's not like his job is in any kind of jeopardy so uh yeah i, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't take another snap this year i will echo everything chris said i i agree wholeheartedly miami looked foolish Earlier in the year, you remember when Tua was stumbling around the field and, and could barely get off in terms of how they treated, you know, treated things that that day almost so callously. And um, I, I they will they will undoubtedly err on the side of caution. I would assume his year is over. And, and if that's the case, what is Miami now? Eight and seven. They're probably going to struggle uh, and, and they probably won't make the playoffs right at New England, I think. And, and they might have the Jets. 
to finish things off. I, I don't, I don't know that they can do any better than one and one there with Teddy Bridgewater. So they probably missed the playoffs, which would end, which would end to his year then naturally. Yeah. I'm sure Tua is going to want to play, but I'll tell you what, if I'm Dolphins management, he's sitting out the rest of the season. <laughs> you, you, you don't mess around with brain issues. The bottom line. Yep. I want you guys to uh, gaze into your crystal ball MVP for this year. Well, I think it's going to be Mahomes. I think Jalen Hurts might have been the guy before his injury, and I think that might knock him down a peg or two. Um, so to me now, it's probably Mahomes or Josh Allen, but I'm, I'm telling you, and I know he's not going to get the votes, but I think long and hard, I'm, I, I might vote for Justin Jefferson, you know, if, if I did have a vote, I don't. And Chris sees it every single week and every single day. What he's put together there has been been remarkable, but you took, you took away Patrick Mahomes as number one uh, option in the past game as number one wide out and you traded him away. And uh, I mean, they, they don't have anybody quite like Tyreek Hill right now. And, and, and the offense hasn't missed a beat. What he does week in and week out is m- remarkable. He'd be my vote, I guess, Gary. Chris? Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. Jalen hurts injury has kind of set him back. We'll see if he plays, the, last, the next two games. and uh, well, we'll What, what there, if he but, does, though? What if he plays the next two games? If he plays the next – well, well if, he, if, he, if he plays this week and they win, he's not going to play in the finale because they'll have wrapped up the top seed. So uh, we'll so see what, what that – You think and, that impacts – then would that affect your opinion of whether he should be the – Well, MVP? I mean, record counts. Having a top seed helps. I mean uh, – if Mahomes, if Kansas City can end up grabbing the top seed, then that's going to obviously help Mahomes. Uh, I'm going to go with Mahomes at this sort of at, at this time because I think he's the best quarterback in the NFL. And when in doubt and it's close, you vote for the best quarterback in the NFL. I mean, that's the well, way it's historically been. Yeah, and, and, and Josh Allen has had a couple games where, like the Jets, the mm-hmm. uh, Vikings, where he's just kind of semi imploded with some key bad interceptions, and uh, Mahomes hasn't had those type of games. I thought for sure one of you were going to say Brock Purdy. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe rookie of the year, Gary. Could could be none of the. Now he shouldn't be rookie of the year, though. If I'm teasing. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, you know what? I, I'm sticking with Jalen Hurts, whether he plays that last game. I, I agree he has to come back this week and play. But what, what he's done in Philadelphia, to me, is phenomenal. But uh, I will say this. I think it's going to be the closest MVP voting in a long, long time. I, I think it's going to be, like, razor thin. Could be. Yes, yes yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, I mean, could be. You, re, you remember in 97, Farvin and Barry Sanders tied. Yes, um, good point. I, I think Peyton Manning tied with somebody one year, didn't he, in, in the midst of all his MVPs? I don't, I don't know that Hurts plays this week, Gary. I mean, they, they'll, be, they'll beat New Orleans with or without Hurts. And probably, you know, they, I mean, probably. They, they've got a really good backup there who could probably start for six or eight teams undoubtedly in the league, right? And in Gardner Minshew there. And, and then if they, and, and like Chris said, if they've, if they, they've got a home game against the saints, their roster is dramatically better um, than, than what new Orleans is. And, and if Hertz sits this one out, 
Um, he's certainly not going to play the season finale then against the Giants. So that that'd be three extra games for Mahomes. I think that would wind up being the difference. Yeah. Gentlemen, I think we are done for the day. Chris, I don't want to take you into overtime. You've had enough of those, what, four this year? <laughs> uh, I think only two, Buffalo oh. and, and Indianapolis. Oh, I thought it was more than that. Okay. Well, anyways, uh, good job, you guys. I appreciate it. Anything else you want to add before we uh, wrap this bad boy up? Are we That's making it. Pred- great, great work by you guys. <laughs> are, we, are, we, are we making quick predictions on the game? Go, yeah, absolutely. We can't. Uh, we well, I don't. I don't make my prediction until uh, Friday, so uh, I don't want to have to make two. So you, you know what, Rob? <laughs> too early. Sorry, Rob. You know, last week I said uh, on the podcast I, I thought the Dolphins were going to beat the Packers, and then I wrote a blog Sunday morning. I just said, "Nope, the Packers are going to beat the Dolphins." So, but it's yeah, go ahead, play away. Way to cover what, your bases, buddy. Yeah, I know. I I, I definitely uh, bounce back and forth. Like Chris, <laughs> wait till the last minute. What? But what's your thoughts? I think Minnesota knocks them out of the playoffs. I think Watson's limited. I think Keyshawn Nixon, who gives them the explosiveness in the in the return game, is is, is going to be limited or potentially not play. And I, I just don't see Green Bay keeping up with you know Minnesota in a shootout. Then, if if that's the case, and I do think Minnesota's going to put up a lot of points, I, I'm going to say like 30-24 Minnesota. All right. Where are you leaning towards at this point, Chris? You, you have. I'm, st- I'm still evaluating. I mean, it's <laughs> it's a hard game to peg. I mean, if if the Vikings were playing all their guys and everything, I would say the Vikings. But you know, I, I'm not going to say try to get too cute because it's probably smart to try to rest some guys. But if they try to think they can get away resting all these guys and some young player gets beaten on a uh, super key play that turns the tide. And then, you know, that could help green Bay's cause. So, and then the injuries, Christian Watson and, and what have you, I'll just have to evaluate that as the week goes on. Right. I'll tell you what, you, you guys both remember 2010 when Chicago, when green Bay got hot and won the super bowl and, and, and they're not nearly as good this year as they were then. But, uh, you know, Chicago came to Green Bay for the last game of the season and had a chance to keep them out of the playoffs and Green Bay won. Chris, I would think Minnesota's got to feel a similar way, right? Bury these guys now. Don't let them even get into the dance. And, you know, then then nobody has to deal with them in January. Again, I don't think Green Bay's nearly as good this year as they were in 2010. But if Minnesota's got a chance to bury them on Sunday, hey, this is the perfect time, right? Well, yeah, they want to bury them, but – they also want to rest some players and uh, they're called backups because they're not as good as the first stringers. So we'll just have to see how they play that, you know, and uh, I'm sure they don't want green Bay coming in to us bank stadium and playing a third time, but for that to happen, San Francisco probably would need to lose because I don't think green Bay is getting up to six. So uh, if Green Bay's seven, that means they'll have beaten the Vikings, and that means the Vikings would drop to three if San Francisco wins out. So really the only scenario in which uh, Green Bay is realistically going to Minnesota is Green Bay beats Minnesota and San Francisco loses a game. So it's, right. you know, it could happen, but we'll just have to see. 
So, uh, Chris, no rumors that the uh, Pioneer Press is going to rest you and have you ready for the playoffs? <laughs> I've been cleared for a full round of mini golf. <laughs> you know, not, it's no, not 15 holes. They're not going to call someone in to play the other three holes, although that's actually a good idea. If I can find some accomplished pro to play three of the holes, I might just do that. Well, it's supposed to be a balmy 49 degrees on Thursday uh, in Racine. So bring your putter. <laughs> All right. All right, gentlemen, great job. Uh, thanks for taking some time out. Great insight. And I also want to thank our uh, legion of loyal listeners. Take care and all the best. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Chris. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Wuffle and Wuffle's Press Box.com. <laughs>